here from Summit. Good morning, everybody online. I know we're live. Uh, good to see you today. This is your five-minute warning before we get started. People are ready to worship, so I'm, I might, I might forego the, t <laughs> the countdown if you guys are ready, and if you people online are ready. I think maybe we'll just, we'll just do our thing. So, is that good? Can we just get started? And if the online audience is late, then they're late. You can kill the music there, Max. Awesome. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. You doing well today? A little crazy. I'm, I'm leading worship on a keyboard today, so I'm feeling a little weird. It's all good, though. And I, I'm, guitar is my home instrument. You understand? You ever, you ever play baseball left-handed? You ever try to hit the, the baseball bat left-handed? That's how I feel today. I'm so normal. It's like so normal to have a guitar strapped on me, but not doing it this way. So... Pray for me, everybody, as, we, as I lead worship in this. But this is a song you've heard before. It's called God's Not Dead, He's Surely Alive. Why don't you stand with us and let's sing it together. One, two, three, four. Put those hands together. Let love explode and bring the dead to life. Let love explode a love so bold to see a revolution somehow sing that again let love explode and bring the dead to life a love so bold to see a revolution somehow lost in your freedom now I'm lost in freedom in this world I'll overcome God's not dead my God's not dead he's surely alive he's living on the inside roaring like a lion God's not dead he's surely alive he's living on the inside roaring like a lion roaring Let love explode. 
Now I'm lost in your freedom In this world I'll overcome Shout it with me My God's not dead, He's surely alive He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion God's not dead, He's surely alive childlike song straight from our heart to yours meet with us today God as we cover Romans 8 today remind us that all things work together for the good for those who love you and that's us God we're called according to your purpose and so Lord work out your purpose in us in Jesus name 
four, five, six. Some of y'all heard this one before, I think. Well, I've searched the world. Turn bone. 
bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the Church, keep it going. No, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Graves into gardens, sing that part again. sound good not me not me I'm a mess up here but that's all right thank you I appreciate it all right. I lost my lost my drums I'm losing it what's going on there there we go I found them I found the drums they they took a break but they're back you give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Sing, you give life, you are love. Give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Great are 
give life You are love You bring light to the darkness You give hope You restore every heart that is broken Great are you, Lord Great are you, Lord in our lungs it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you oh, it's your breath it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out
beginning. You know what we go through every year. And whereas we're in our last week here of fasting and prayer, we just ask you to speak to us. You give us guidance, Lord. Those of us who have businesses and ministries and initiatives, Lord, I pray that you would just begin to speak to us about the calendar, the things that we need to put on there, things we need to take off of there. Just listen to your voice. Speak, Lord. We're listening. We want you, God. We want you more than anything else. In Jesus' name. Why don't you be seated for a second? I'll give you the one-year Bible. Tim and Lori are traveling to California, taking care of family. They're got their safe. Praise God. That's awesome. So I'm going to give you the one-year Bible on the screen there, Max, if you put up. Um, the one in your Bible, it says, I, Psalm 19:14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think it was, I think it was that character Thumper in the, in the movie Bambi. Remember? He said, if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Yeah, well, that's, 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 some, that's one that Thumper could have wrote, I think. And uh, so we're going to just welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit and feel free to do whatever you want. If you can stand, you can walk around, you can pace, you can pray, whatever you want to do. But I love this song, and just welcoming the, the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us in our study today. Oh, 
with right now. Your presence, Lord, we welcome you, Spirit. Your presence, Lord, would you stay with me? Just kidding. Come on. We need to get into this now. the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you're welcome Holy Spirit you are welcome here come from this place and fill the
we're desperate for you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come on, church, sing your own song to him. Come, Holy Spirit, come. tell you nobody cares nobody cares you can sing your own song to God and God doesn't even care he's not like that's not how the words go he doesn't care he doesn't care about copyright law he doesn't care about what's written in the hymnal he just says cry out to me lift your prayers lift your what really matters to you give it to me in prayer God that's that's how you connect with God you just pour your heart out to God and you say God I need you come Holy Spirit Help me today. Come, Holy Spirit, wash over me. Does that make sense? Prayer does not have to be some kind of formalized thing that is written in a book. I just, I have a, I have a sense. I, last week we ended it with a time of prayer. Yeah, that's word. Yeah, offering a praise with, to God. If you're gonna do it, do it, man. Let's give him a good, a good one. Yeah. We, we ended last week with, a, with just a healing time, laying on of hands. Um, anybody have a testimony for what God's doing in their body from last week and as we've been praying or as you've been fasting and praying? Anybody? Still working. Still working? Good. I think Sally told us that her back was feeling better by the end. Embert? You speaking more clearly now? He is a healer. Well, we have a study to get into today, and it's right at 11 o'clock, so I'm going to try to be on time, get you in in and out on time. So uh, greet someone nearby, grab your Bible, turn to Romans 8, say hello. If you're online, do the same. Thanks. Hey, everybody online. Thank you for joining us for Summit Church online. I'm Pastor Wayne Hansen from Summit Church. You can support the ministry by going to mysummitchurch.com, going to our Facebook page and clicking the donate button. You can text to give by texting this number, 303-625-9434. Enter the amount of your gift in the text and press send and follow the prompts using your smartphone. 100% of what you give by text will go to the ministry. You can also mail your gift to Summit Church, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Grab your Bible, Church of Romans 8. We're going to get into a great study today and uh, doing some special music, some original music that I wrote today. So hope hope you can stick around for it. This sermon is called Where the Rockets Go.
everybody. So good to have you here. Good to have some new friends come here today too. So cool. So wonderful. We're doing a chapter and verse study of Romans 8. And um, so turning your Bible with me to Romans 8. And how many of you are trying to work off the holiday pounds? Anybody trying to work off a little bit and like eat a little bit cleaner, right? Do a little bit better? Good. Well, I want to I want to tell you, I'll mention this at the end too, but if you're, if you're a giving member of our church, your year-end giving statements are in the back and they're alphabetized by last name and that little cardboard tray. So you can grab that before you leave. How many of you try to do your taxes so you can get some money back, right? How many don't try to do your taxes because you know you're going to have to pay money out? I'm in the second category myself, so... Anyway, let's, get, let's look at our study. Romans chapter 8 is titled, Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. You know, many of us, we, we need to have a relationship with God, and we don't know how to do it. And thought, like, well, what if I just read the Bible? I've read the whole Bible. Would I get to know God? Well, you'd know about God, right? You'd have an intellectual understanding of what the Bible says. But there's a whole lot of difference between knowing about God and knowing God, yeah. letting God know you. And, you know, we can live in the flesh. We can live according to our own appetites and desires and the things we want to do and the things our flesh craves for, right? But we're not called to live according to the flesh. We're called to live according to the Spirit, to let our spirit commune with God's Holy Spirit. And you know, the Holy Spirit's first name is holy. <laughs> it means he's righteous. It means that he doesn't tolerate sin. That when you're with God, he begins to point out the stuff that you're doing wrong. Your character defects, your shortcomings, things you should stop doing. <laughs> Some new things that you probably ought to take up doing. And so that's what we're going to study here today in Romans chapter 8. It's a very practical study. It talks a little bit about prayer. and We are finishing up our 29 days of prayer um, this week. And uh, some of you have joined me online. I've seen you on the chat in some of your faces there. And it's been great to pray. And a lot of old-timer uh, Summit Church people, too. People that were part of our ministry that have moved out of town and moved in different places have been able to pray with them as well. And just encourage you to persevere in prayer. Persevere in prayer. Jesus said to his disciples, can't you just watch with me for an hour? <laughs> can't you just pray for an hour? Like, he was saying, that's like the baseline. Can't you just do that? <laughs> and they couldn't. And they're like, no, they couldn't. They fell asleep. They couldn't watch for one hour. So part of the spiritual disciplines for us is to go, I'm going to learn to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to learn to study God's word and to sit and listen to what his spirit may be telling me. I'm going to begin to live the way Jesus did, say the things that Jesus would say, do the things that Jesus would do, right? To take on that holy nature, that character of God. And we don't do it perfectly. I wish we did. But that's why we need the Bible. That's why we need the Holy Spirit tapping us on the shoulder going, uh-uh, no, 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 don't do that. Go over here. And so that's what this is all about. Romans 8, life in the Spirit. So now, Max, if you'll get ready for those first uh, Verses. So now there's no con condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature. 
But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent his own son in a human body like ours, except that ours are sinful. And God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Now that says nothing about perfect behavior, does it? In fact, why did Jesus have to come? Because we couldn't do it. <laughs> because we couldn't be perfect on our own. We couldn't be religious enough to be good enough to deserve God's love. Guess what? You'll never deserve God's love, but he just loves you anyway. <laughs> he just loves you in spite of your flaws. And he says, come to me. Come to me. I've already made provision for your sin. And I put it on my son, Jesus. Isn't that good news? It's the best news ever. They call it the gospel, right? Which means good news. So, Max, put up that first slide on the screen, and I've got a second camera. Hello, I know everybody, I'm over here now. Okay, true Christians have God's spirit living in them. True Christians, actual Christians, not fake Christians, not religious people who call themselves Christians. See, a lot of people wanna wear the moniker Christian, just like they wear the, the moniker of Democrat or Republican or vegan or carnivore, <laughs> or good neighbor, or businessman. Like, it's just one more label. Just tack it onto the list. No, no, no. Jesus is not a label to wear. He's a person to know. We have to let the Spirit come inside of us and change us and make us more like Jesus. So true Christians have God's Spirit living inside of them. And if you don't have God's Spirit living inside of you, you're not a Christian. <laughs> You've mentally ascended to Christianity as a worldview, but you haven't put your faith and your trust into Christ. Do you see the difference? There's a lot of people who have an intellectual, like, I agree with those ideas in the Bible, but I, they don't really know God. They haven't let him come in, forgive them of their sin, and guide them into a new life. That's a huge difference. That's why Jesus said in Matthew, I think it was chapter 12, where he says, not, uh, not, <laughs> not many will come. He said, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many wonderful things in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we you know, do many wonderful works? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Many will say to me on that day. That's a, that's a scary verse for me because I do ministry, right? I do God's work. And many of you guys do too between Sundays, Right? And to think that we could deceive ourselves into thinking we have a relationship with God when we really don't. That's the difference between religion and a true relationship with God. So pull up, put up that first slide of scripture there, Max. In verse, verse 5 through 9, he says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So there's, there's something here about ownership and control. Who's in charge? Who's on the throne of your life? Who, have you, who has the true authority? Is it you do whatever you want, and as long as God's opinion agrees with you, then we're good? But a lot of people, Americans especially, 
they, they exercise this approach that I call salad bar spirituality, right? They pick and choose. They'll take scriptures and go, oh, I like that, but I don't like that one so much. Oh, you disagree with the Bible. Hmm. One of you is wrong. It's either you or the Bible. Which one is wrong? Hmm. That's not a tough question, is it? And we also know that intellectually as Christians, but sometimes we have difficulty letting Jesus be the Lord. Those who are dominated by sinful nature, right? Those are, but those who are controlled by the Spirit. So I give control over to the, to the Holy Spirit to lead me into God's Word, into life and godliness, to begin to do the things that my flesh doesn't necessarily want to do, but the things that Christ needs me to do. Does that make sense? It's not easy. No one's saying it's easy because surrender is a daily job. It's a, I got to keep surrendering every day because I easily take the power back, right? I easily take the car keys back and I go, oh, thanks, Jesus. I got this. Get, get in the back. No, no. <laughs> How many of you ever told Jesus to get in the back? I'll drive. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Verse 6. So letting your sin nature control your mind leads to death. That's serious business. It leads to spiritual death, and the consequences of it can lead you to physical death. Right? You keep leaning into your addiction, and it will kill you. You keep leaning into hatred and violence, it's going to take you to terrible places. It will kill you. And not only will it kill you in this life, but one day it'll destroy you in hell. Because God don't, wasn't, won't tolerate sin, and if you're not surrendered to Him, you become a a, children of, a child of perdition, a, a child of darkness. You're only serving yourself, and you're not serving God. And he knows who belong to him. You're not fooling God. Maybe you fool everybody else, but you can't fool him. He continues, but letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's why this whole thing of having a relationship with God through his spirit is so important. And some people are like, oh, do I, do I need to pray in tongues? Because that's really weird. I'm freaked out by that. Don't worry about the tongues thing up or down. Don't worry about the supernatural power gifts and all that stuff. God will give that to you when you're ready. Just come into a place of surrender with him. Just be his kid. Just surrender. Say, okay, dad, uh, whatever you say goes. If you say not to do it, I'm not going to do it. If you say get up and do it, I'll do it. Just like a, a good, compliant child will obey their mom or their dad, that's how God is with us. And we get a new shot every day. <laughs> new, more, new mercies every day. And you, you might have a bad day. That doesn't mean that you just chuck it all and go, well, I'm not a Christian, I guess. I just can't do it. No, you just pick up the next day. You say, God, I failed yesterday. Give me another chance today. I want to keep serving you. I want to do this right, but I need your help. And he will help you if you ask him. <laughs> He'll fill you with your spirit, his spirit. And then you begin to devour the word of God. You begin to apply it to your life. And you'll, have, you'll begin to have more good days than bad days is what will happen. And it's a process. It's a process. It's where the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. Right? That's why we have to bring the flesh with under subjection. And we, even we Christians who've been Christians for a long time, we still battle the flesh. That's normal. I hate to tell you, but as long as you're living in this earth suit, right, in this jar of clay, 
You're going to battle with the sin and temptations. Only when we stand in the, in the presence of God in heaven will finally all that stuff be done away with. Verse 8, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. You ever talk to someone who's like, they know they should be a Christian, but they just don't want to yet? They've got a lot of stuff they want to do before they turn, turn it over. But then they also have this longing, like, I want to know God, I want to have a friendship with God, but... And so this battle, this control, like they want to please God, but they know what they're doing isn't pleasing. And so there's this dichotomy of living halfway, right? Straddle, we used to call it straddling the fence, right? Get on one side or the other. That's why Jesus said, I would that you're either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm like, bleh, spit you out of my mouth. You're like lukewarm coffee, right? Or a, or a room temperature steak. Mm. Give, it, give it to me hot off the grill or... You know, give me the cold sushi on a, on a freezing plate. You know what I'm saying? But not the lukewarm stuff. And that's what God is saying. You make me sick. When you, when you pretend to be mine, but you do your own thing. So he continues, verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. So Paul began to speak faith into the Roman church. He says, but you, you're not like those people. You're not like that. You're really, that's some church, you're really not like that. How do I know? You're here. You've come to worship today. You've come to study God's word today. You've come to be with, with God's family today. You're not like that. You're here because you, you want to be. No one made you come today, right? So you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. That's how you know the difference between a real Christian and a fake one. A person who's a real Christian has the Spirit of God in them. They have a kindness about them. They have a joy about them. They have a peace about them. They have a holy trust in God. It's not that they're perfect people, but they have the Spirit in them. See the difference? It's massive. That's a massive difference. And I think we've all been around religious people. And when, the longer you spend between life-giving, Spirit-filled people and religious rule-making people, you can easily begin to tell the difference. Like, oh, that's, that person's not even... A, they, they think they know God. They just know about God. They don't know God. They don't have Him in, in their heart. They don't have, they're not walking in the Spirit. See the difference? Yeah, some of you do, some of you don't. So we're going to keep going, all right? Point number two. Point number two, Max, if you put it on the screen. It says this. Children of God are led by the Spirit. Spiritual orphans are led by sinful cravings. Again, this is, this is speaking of the overarching pattern of someone's life. It's not that Christians don't ever sin. Christians do sin, but they're not happy about it. <laughs> How many, before you became a Christian, you were a big old sinner and you didn't care, right? Big difference. But once, you, once Christ came in, you started sinning and you felt bad about it. You're like, oh, dang it, that's not what I wanted to do. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I know that's not pleasing to God. That's not who I want to be. Right? So sinners sin and they don't care. Christians sin and they feel bad about it. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you know the difference. Uh, so the next section here, Max, pull up the verses for me for, for point number two. Children of God are filled by the Spirit. Verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. 
For if you live by its dictates, again, you will die. So living according to your sin nature will take you to a place of death. Yes, physical death because of consequences and eternal death, separation from God. But if you live through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That's the difference. Someone who said yes to Jesus, and they're trying to walk that path of being a disciple of Christ. No one, again, does that perfectly, but we do it better and better as we hold his hands and, and if we can continually submit to him in daily prayer and daily meditation and walking with God and being led in our decisions and saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. I'll do what you ask me to do, even if I don't want to do it. I'm not going to pick and choose parts of the Bible I like and don't like. I'm going to read the Bible and let it speak into my life because you know you don't read your Bible. Your Bible reads you. The Bible exposes the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart, shows you for who you really are. And that's why a lot of people don't want to read the Bible because <laughs> they start reading the Bible and go, oh no, oh no, I'm doing that and I'm doing that and I'm doing that and I'm not doing that, right? But the Bible is not there for a guilt trip. The Bible is there to help you connect with God, to help you know him and know what he's like and to begin to do the things that he wants you to do. Now, is that hard? Yes, <laughs> it is hard, but it's simple. It's simple. So simple, a child can understand it. A child can say yes to Jesus. You know that 80% of adult Christians became believers before the age of 18? That's why it's so important for us, I believe. One of my big prayer needs or prayer objectives this year is for the relaunch of our children's ministry and our, and our youth ministry. I don't care how we do it, I, but I want to, even if we have to do it with just a handful of kids in the beginning, I think it's so vital that we teach the Bible to children and that young people hear the truth of God's word. And because someone did that for me, and some probably did that for you when you were growing up. Children's ministry and youth ministry is the lifeblood of the local church. And I'm still praying about how and where and when, but I believe that this summer we'll do some kind of youth alpha program. They make a youth alpha film series. And, you know, the, the summer break this year for Douglas County Schools is only about eight weeks long from the last day of school to the first day of school. So my, my hope is to move... Uh, to do our own youth alpha program here on Thursday nights. And we just, like we do for adults, but we'll do games, we'll do activities, we'll have some fun food and great stuff. And then the alpha film series and discussion groups for teenagers. And want to grab some volunteers here out of our, out of the adult core of our church and find a few that will help us put together our youth and children's ministry. Are you excited about that? I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you to get into the lives of some of the young people and children and begin to pour what you know about God into their lives. Because life on life, that's the best way for discipleship to work. Point number three, Max, if you put it on the screen. Number three, suffering is a part of the Christian life. And I know we hate that, right? We absolutely hate that. But it's actually in the Bible. <laughs> like, oh no, I, mean, I might suffer. You won't always suffer. It's not, it's not like suffering makes you a better Christian. But sometimes we suffer. Sometimes we do. You know, Christ suffered. The disciples suffered. How many know any devout believers that have suffered? 
Guess what? Just suffering is a part of life. We all go through things, right? But God is with us in our suffering. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. So to try to work it out into your theology, go, well, if I'm sick, I must be out of God's will. No, no. Maybe he does want to heal you, but because you're suffering doesn't mean God's mad at you or that he's punishing you or that your faith isn't strong enough. That's, 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 not, that's not a good angle to look at, especially when you read the scripture we're about to look at. So let's look here in Romans 8, next one, Max, verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when, you, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. That's Daddy in the Greek. Or Papa, my dearly loved Dad. Right? Good old Dad. Now, now he's not this God who's angry to bring the hammer down. No, he's my Dad. A good Dad. A good Father. We call him Abba, Daddy, Father. For his Holy Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We are God's kids. <laughs> He's adopted us. And he loves the, the obedient ones and he loves the naughty ones. And I personally believe that God keeps the naughty ones closer. I really do. I think he goes... Oh, no, no, you have to sit by me. You ever, you ever, ever been to have a teacher in class who's like, you sit up here by Miss Vodka, keep an eye on you. That's what I think God does with some of us naughty children. He's like, you, no, right here. Right here. Okay, Dad. I feel like it's what he's done with me, honestly. And <laughs> he's probably done that with some of you as well. So his Holy Spirit confirms that with us. When we have a spirit living inside of us, we begin to feel that quickening, that conviction of sin, that, hey, you need to call that person. Hey, you need to go make that right. Hey, you need to say you're sorry. Whatever, when you begin to obey those promptings of the spirit, that's how you know that you belong, you're, you're one of his kids. Because, you know, your parents always correct you. Like, clean your room. No, you can't go out on a date until it's clean, right? No, it's your dishes night, whatever your responsibilities are. He begins to convict us. The word begins to convict us. That's why we need to read the Bible, because he speaks to us through the Bible. Verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. We inherit everything that Jesus purchased for us. Not only forgiveness, but we have a home forever in heaven. We have the, we have the, the intimacy with God because of the Holy Spirit. Everything in the word has been spoken over us is true. We're, we're grafted in to the family of Abraham. All these things written in the Old and New Testament belong to us now. And we get to inherit all of those promises. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So we, that's why even <laughs> when I'm like, my half-baked efforts on the keyboard today are like, hey man, you know what, I'm just offering it as praise up to God. I'm flubbed and made a lot of mistakes and I'm not a great keyboard player. But you know what? You'll see why in a second why I have the keyboard because it was something I'm doing for the sermon. But I don't have to be perfect to be loved or accepted by God. And neither do you. I give him my very best. I do my very best. And then just trust him with the rest. Amen? So together, we are heirs of his glory. But if we are to share his glory, <laughs> we must also share his suffering. Ooh, man, that is not a refrigerator verse. 
That's not one that you see at Lifeway Christian bookstores. They're not selling magnets for your fridge with that one. If we were to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Whoa. Are you sure? Is there any kind of loophole, some kind of escape clause where can, only good things can happen to me now that I'm a Christian? I don't know. I've never met a Christian who that's been true for. Have you? No. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. So we learn to grow in the Lord. James chapter 1 talks about it's our suffering, the testing of our faith that perfects us and makes us more like Jesus. So don't avoid suffering, but you know, we don't seek it out, obviously. Don't, don't be a masochist like, I need to hurt the pain, hurt me, Lord. No, don't do that, right? Because there are Christians that do that. They take vows of silence and vows of poverty and they whip themselves and beat themselves. And, I just got to punish myself. No, no, your sins have been paid for. You don't punish yourself for your sins. Christ did all that for you already. Come on, right? <laughs> You're getting quiet now. Huh? If we share in his glory, we share in his suffering. We take it upon ourselves. Say, Lord, if this is what you have for me, I'm going to bear this with grace. And I believe you're going to give me the strength to endure. What I find is people of faith, when they go through something very difficult, if they'll trust in the Lord, they'll have a peace that comes over them that doesn't make any sense. They'll, they they could be very panicked. And terrible things could be going on, but as they connect with God in prayer, as they worship, as they say, I trust you, Lord, suddenly a peace washes over them. The Bible calls it a peace that surpasses human understanding. And I want to tell you about a time in my life when that was true. I am a, I'm a boy of three sons, and my mom is in the back there, back there, waving. There's Waverly. That's my mom. That's my mommy. She's been watching me sing and preach at church since I was two years old at the Berkeley Assembly of God Church in, in Detroit, Michigan on 12 Mile Road. And Max, put up some of these pictures here. I want to tell you about my brother, Steve Hansen. He was a gifted musician, and we went through a period of suffering with him. He, uh, he went to University of Wisconsin Oshkosh and got a music performance degree. And he could, he could sight-read Mozart and Beethoven and the modern um, composers like Grieg and um, you know, Irving Berlin and all these amazing people. We, we, uh, I'm going to show you a picture. You want to see what I look like as a little kid? Max, show that picture of me as a little kid. Three sons here. This is me in the pinstripe suit jacket there. Okay? I'm going to put this on the screen for the online people. So this is my older brother, Brent. Some of you have met him. He's preached at our church before. He's come for visits before. He's in Detroit. And this is me. And this is my brother, Steve, the one I'm talking about. And we had a, a great time as brothers in, in Detroit, just throwing back and forth. We were big Detroit Tigers baseball fans. And we used to play pickle. And I was always the pickle in the middle. You ever play pickle? I never got to hold a glove because I could never catch them before they covered the ball. So I, they were five and six years older than me. And as we grew up, we had a band, a Christian band called Samaritan. Put up that band picture, if you will, Max. And so this is me playing the bass there. We had a Rhodes keyboard, which is amazing. And uh, that's Brent over here. And this is my brother, Steve. He played trumpet, he played keys, and he also won a national brass contest when he was in his teens. Very, very gifted musically. 
and a le- like a legitimate music- musician, not a hack like me. Okay, he's like he he <laughs> he'd do more than just chords and knew how to improvise. He could read staves of music and write whole compositions. He could write choir pieces and orchestra pieces. He was he could he could have worked at a symphony anywhere. And um, he got a job as a worship pastor in Niles, Michigan, uh, and it, it was a big church right on the South Bend border of Indiana and Michigan. And that's when I was just going off to school, when I was just had met Kim at Bible, Bible College. And um, I might cry when I tell this story, so I hope you're okay with the passion of the Christ. But if you aren't, too bad. Because <laughs> I'm telling you to tell the story, because I want you to know that God is with us in our suffering. And uh, I was I, I auditioned for a, a full-time traveling ministry called One Accord. And if I would travel for the school, I would uh, for a year, then I would get a year of college paid for. So it was a it was a scholarship program. It was a great program to be a part of at North Central University. So I was home with my brother, uh, both of my brothers in Niles, and I worked at a, a, a car wash in South Bend, and we had just a great time as brothers as we were kind of. They were beginning to enter their careers, and I was going off to college, and was in a new band, and we were traveling with them. And my brother Steve was at a softball game um, for the church, and he was playing outfield, and he suddenly just couldn't keep his breath, couldn't catch his breath. And he collapsed on the softball field, and we took him into the hospital, and they discovered a tumor on his lungs about about the size of a softball. And... Um, they immediately operated to remove the tumor, but they realized that there was there was cancer throughout his body, and they be, we began the chemotherapy treatments. And if you, you've ever gone to chemo with a family member or friend, you know how painful those things can be. You know, very violent nausea, can't keep anything down. Um, very painful, you know, down to your bones. You know, just just. Uh, very difficult. And I was 19 years old at the time. I easily could have turned away from God. I could have been mad at God. And we did have people that came to us and said, well, your brother's sick because there must be some secret sin in his life. I go, no. That's, God doesn't do that to people. Because, well, you just need to pray the right prayers. You just, need to, you just need to pray in tongues over him. And really, you need to. And we did all those things. We did all those things. We had thousands of people praying. And um, it was six months at the U of M hospital in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And um, he, we just kept on, he kept on battling uh, the chemotherapy and, and trying to beat cancer. And one of the activities that we had as boys, we used to make model rockets. And you got, you ever see model rockets where you have little engines, you shoot them up in the air and then and the parachute opens and it comes down. And, um, I, it was maybe four weeks or so before before the end. We were in the backyard in Michigan, this big baseball field by, next to the church where I had to mow the lawn. <laughs> we're, we, it was a clear Michigan afternoon. He sent up this rocket that I had watched him build from scratch. You know, he just painted, he did all, glued it together, did all the whole thing. And we just, we'd always shoot up the rockets and then it, the parachute would open and we would, we would race each other to see who could catch it. You know, and this rocket went up and up and up and up and gone. 
It was a clear blue sky. I've never seen anything like it. We've done model rockets a lot. And normally, like, oh, if it's a cloud or there's other activity, it's hard to, you know, the sun's in your eyes or whatever. It wasn't anything like that. It was a clear blue sky. The rocket went boom, 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 and gone. Didn't hear a pop. Didn't see a parachute. No nothing. We're like, huh. Well, that stinks. <laughs> like, you, you built a rocket and now it's, it's gone. Okay, well, I guess you have to build another one. You know, we went back in and I didn't think anything of it at all. And that was, you know, just a fun way to kill some time when, between chemotherapy treatments. And then he beat cancer. But they said, hey, we just have a, we want to finish the regimen of chemo that he's doing to make sure we got it all. So we agreed to that. And it was the last few doses of chemo that just ate away at his vital tissue. His lungs collapsed, collapsed and he, he died in that bed in the ICU at U of M Hospital. And I had a choice. I remember praying in the chapel at U of M and saying, God, what are you doing? Why, why did you, why'd you let this happen? This doesn't seem very fair. I was really, I was really disappointed. I was more sad than angry. And I was very disturbed over it because I, I, I'm a person who believes in, in faith. I believe in divine healing. Talked about it before. I've seen healings with my own eyes. I've laid hands on the sick now since then, and they've recovered. Doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. I'm like, can't you do a solid for us this one time, God, please? The answer was no. And he went to be with the Lord. And I, I just I couldn't get over it. Remember, you lose a loved one or someone that's very near to you, and you've just really struggled with it been angry with God or wondering why God let it happen or why did it have to happen in such a painful way? And I had a dream. I dreamt uh, that I was watching my brother build that same rocket again. And I had like a close-up in my mind's eye of him painting the rocket, gluing it together, us going out to the launch pad and setting it off and watching it disappear. And, uh, and in my dream, it was as if it was all happening again, but it was at night. It was at nighttime. And my brother comes across the field to me. And he's leaning against this old F-100 tractor that we used to mow the field with. And we were just talking. And he says to me, I'm okay. I'm with the Lord. Nothing hurts anymore. You'll get here one day. You'll be with me one day. But I'll see you until then. I love you. And he walked across the ball field and into the woods and was gone. And I felt the Lord say to me, your brother's life was like that rocket. I took my time. I built it. I made him exactly who I wanted him to be. And when it was time, And uh, that dream brought me so much comfort, and still does, because uh, I know I'll see him again. And so uh, after that dream, I wrote this song. And Johnny and Ron, if you'll come and help me do it.
dreamer's hands, skillful dying hands, building a rocket to escape the earth below. The hell that they know, for in the sky nothing touches. sky there is only you that's why I want to go where the rockets go where the pain is left far down below where the rockets go when you feel so strong and no one knows just where you've gone where the rockets go
do point number four there, Max. The Holy Spirit seals us and helps us to stay in Christ. The Holy Spirit seals us and helps us to stay in Christ. See, if I had wandered from Christ because of the pain and the suffering I saw in my brother, I would have taken detours that God never really wanted me to take. I would have wallowed in my pain and suffering and it would have been all about me for years and years of my life. But instead of turning from God in that moment, I turned to God. And I said, God, I'm gonna pray that you show me purpose in this. And if there's other people that I can help through their grief, through their pain, through their difficulty, use it for your glory. So let's look at the verse. It says this uh, in Romans 8, 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. <laughs> but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts and knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Holy Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Groanings that can't be uttered with words. I believe that has to do with tongues. I also believe it's just the heart cry. When you go, oh God, I need you. Oh Lord, help me. Oh, <laughs> have you ever groanings? Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Oh, <laughs> God knows. God knows. He understands. My spirit communes with His spirit. He begins to pray through me with groanings that can't even be uttered. Isn't that good? Last point here, number five, Max. Go to point number five. Christ has purchased total victory. Not partial. Not, oh yeah, someday. Uh, no, no. It's there. It belongs to you. Claim it. Take it on your own. You're a child of God. You're an heir of the kingdom. Total victory. That's why we Christians can't lose. Because if we live, we live to glorify God. If we die, we get to be with Jesus. So we can't Loose. We're in a win-win situation as believers. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good news? You can't lose. I love it. Let's look at the verse and make it all legal here. In verse 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us when God has chosen us for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then can condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting at the place of, of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. I know I'm going to see my brother again. He knew Jesus. In fact, he knows Jesus now better than he ever did before. And one day I'll see him again. I'll hug his neck and we'll, we're going to jam. You wait till you see the studio we have in heaven. It's going to be off the hook, man. Let's go to the, that last picture of the keys, Max. 
You know what you need to do? You got to turn over the keys. Anybody ever sell a car? Anybody sell a used car? You have to sign off the title, right? And then you got to give the keys away, right? But you ain't giving the keys away until you get that title signed and they give you the money, right? Guess what God says? I paid the price already. I'm giving you the car. I'm, I'm giving you eternal life. But you got to sign the deed. You got to sign the papers and let me give you this adoption into my family. You got to give me the keys to your life. You got to let me call the shots for you. Get out of the driver's seat and let Jesus drive. In fact, you shouldn't even be in the front seat. Just hop in the back and let Jesus take you where he wants you to go. Well, if that makes sense to you, whether you're here in the room or online today, this, the way that you invite him in is so simple. It's a simple prayer I call STP. Sorry, thank you, please. You just ask God to forgive you of your sins. You thank him for what he's done. You invite him in and you give him the keys. And <laughs> you're adopted into his family. Church, will you pray that prayer with me for those who need to give their lives to Christ? Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for suffering in my place. I believe God raised you from the dead according to the scripture. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope you got something out of that today. I don't often do autobiographical stuff, but um, that one is such a powerful part of my story. And um, if you want to hear that Samaritan music, he would do classical music as part of this Christian pop music we do. Max, will you throw that album cover on the screen of the Samaritan band? It's on iTunes and Spotify. You can listen to this music from 1983. It's really, really old Jesus music, and uh, you might get a kick out of it. Um, and you can, you can, if you have one of those apps, you can listen to it for free. Um, a couple of, yeah, check it out. It's just so that I want you to see what it looks like. Ooh, no, we lost it. <laughs> okay. You had it for a second? Yeah. Okay. Well, try to get it back and I'll, so you can see the album cover. I'll give you a couple of announcements before we leave. The, again, grab your year-end giving statements there in the back. And... Um, few announcements, we are doing a church family swim night with a baptism service, okay? So mark your calendars with us. I was able to get the Castle Rock Rec Center. By the way, they have lifted all COVID restrictions now. So you can go to the pool, you can go to the hot tub, you can go to the steam room, you can do all those things. And it's fun to do a baptism night at the pool because we can swim in the pool afterwards, okay? So mark your calendar for that Sunday night, February 20th. We're going to do a church swim night with baptism. And if you know someone that's given their lives to Jesus but they haven't been baptized yet, or maybe they weren't baptized as an adult, and you're like, you know what? I, I didn't make that decision. Someone made it for me. I want to get baptized because I've made the decision to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. Make, make your plans to join us for that or bring your family member or friend that needs to get baptized. We'd love to have them on that day. Um, I don't know, Max, can you get that other slide up? I don't know, we, we died. Maybe Johnny, help, help Max with some of the technical there. See if we can get it fired up. Um, it seems like there's so many things. In that, um, 
in that guide in the back, there's a bunch of announcements about dates coming up in the calendar. So February 17th and 24th will be our alpha training night for the next semester. So if you want to be one of the alpha people that actually do the talk on Thursday nights, I'm taking takers for preachers or talkers, uh, speakers. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. I'm, I'm looking at you. Some of you would do a great job with the alpha talk. And if you don't know what alpha is, let me just tell you real quick. It's a, it's a Thursday night course where we talk about the meaning of life, the basics of Christianity. It always starts with a meal at 6.30 where we welcome guests and then a talk at seven and then it's followed by a discussion around the talk. And so it's a great way to kind of engage in discipleship, learn more about God, more about Christianity. And uh, we'd love to have you be a part of that. I'm thinking about all the things that are on the calendar. Um, the blessing of the bikes like we did last year, the motorcycle outreach day. We have set the day for that on May Day, Sunday, May 1st, all right? So mark your calendars for that. We'll have the little decals for all the motorcyclists. Pray safety over all those riders in the springtime. Uh, I'm bringing the heavy guns with some good heavy music, and I'm trying to get a preacher friend of mine from Louisiana named Steve Munns, who is a big Harley guy, um, to be a part of that outreach on that day. He's friends with Jesse Duplantis, if you know who that is. So um, we might bring some bring some food trucks on that day and try to make a big, I'd love to see over 200 motorcyclists that are blessing of the bikes. Wouldn't that be cool just to see the parking lot packed with people and have them hear the gospel of Jesus? That would be really dope, right? So let's just pray for that. And there's so many other things. Grab, make sure and grab. If you don't have a giving statement, I have a summit news, like a newsletter that tells a bunch of other stuff that's, that's in the calendar coming up. Sally, you had something? Yeah, oh, are you going up to Boulder? Yeah, so Sally is going up to Boulder for some of the fire relief efforts. So if you want to see Sally about donating um, food, pet food, everything. anything and everything. You, people lost their entire homes and all the contents of their homes. So whatever you can do to be a part of that and talk to Sally about that. If you want to donate to the ministry, hit the donation box in the back. And I think that's everything I have. Stand with me. Let me give you the blessing and we'll go. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a comfort during times of trouble. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love you, church. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next Sunday as we will be breaking the fast. This Saturday, Ron's parents are doing an anniversary. Uh, if you know his folks, it's a 50, is it 50th? 50th anniversary? You don't they have been married forever. So long. <laughs> but they're celebrating it this Saturday afternoon. They invited you all to come. So if you want to come be a part of it, here at the church on Saturday afternoon, come celebrate with the Deckers their wedding anniversary. I think it's their 50th anniversary. So blessings to you guys. Have a great week. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. 
comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs>